0: Good morning, fish keepers. Cam here from thefishroom.co.nz, and we've done it again. We've made it to Friday. Let's do coffee. Hmm, That's a good coffee. Uh, so today we have another special guest on with us, but it's a little bit of quick happening to quickly roll through. Um, our Fish Wars is going on our Facebook page uh so that's going on full swing if you want to get involved in that and uh getting the chance to win yourself a prize every day get amongst to have a vote for your favorite fish and away we go and second of all which is probably more important uh there is a lot of delays with freight coming into me and leaving me because of the major road works that are happening between picton and nelson so um there is generally about a days with delay that's going on there so please be with me please be with the couriers please be with everybody it's just just everything is a little bit delayed at the moment so i think there's been another two or three weeks worth of work on that from the slips and from the floods that happened a couple months back so um just to, just a reminder for everybody that's going on at the moment that is literally all the admin that i've got today so good morning gary how you doing buddy uh so i'll push the right button and we'll introduce our, de- our guest good morning dean good morning <laughs> cool. thank you very much for joining us um I guess this is uh, attempt number two after my first weird mistake about six weeks ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a trip.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we we got there in the end. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, a lot of people don't know this. has been about a year.
0: Yeah, yeah, it would have been a decent, uh, decent time.
1: I mean, um, trying to trying to match schedules and everything, and and things happening with you know my life and your life.
0: Yeah, but we're I here now. I- so, yeah. Daylight Savings played a part as well. So there's yeah, a few little bit of moving cogs that were going on for this one. Yep. <laughs> all right, cool. So uh, first of all, how did you get involved into, to fish keeping and, and in the hobby?
1: M- myself? Yeah. Well, it started um, when I was seven years old, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, over 50 years ago. Let's just say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, Uh, We didn't have fish in our house. We had um, uh, a couple little toy poodles, um, no no rodent-type animals, so no other pets. And a popular thing back in those days was, you know, you got an allowance. But if you wanted anything more than your allowance, you had to go work for it. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had arranged with my mom's – her best friend to go – either weed or pick slugs. I can't remember that part for sure. So a popular thing was to pick slugs out of a garden, put them in that uh, uh, coffee can, and then you put salt on top. They all melt. Right. Um, But anyway, I had gone down to her place to do one of the, one of those two duties um, and got all done. And um, she offers to have me come in and give me some lemonade and, on her kitchen counter um, was a fishbowl full of what we would now consider wild type guppies. Mm -hmm. Uh, So not really fancy guppies, just, you know, guppies. And I'm like, wow, those are cool. And she's like, well, you, you, you want some of those for payment instead of money. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, but you know, Being the seven-year-old kid, I'm like, yeah. I'm not thinking where they're going to go or anything like that. Or if if my parents are going to let me have them. I'm just like, so she puts them in a Tupperware bowl or a little Tupperware container, which is basically, you know, like a food service thing. Mm -hmm. And I go home with two pairs of wild guppies. And my mom's like, what are you going to do with those? You don't have any place to put them. You don't have a fish bowl. We had nothing. So I literally kept them in the toilet bowl overnight. Wow. Uh, We had two bathrooms and I had taped off the door to that bathroom. No one could go in it except for me. (laughs) Every time a toilet would flush, I would run to make sure it wasn't the fish going down. And I ended up doing, getting a, uh uh fishbowl in the next several days. Um but that was my first start. Yeah. And and I've pretty much had fish ever since. Wow. Um except for maybe maybe a couple of weeks, a couple of months here and there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've um I've got young children myself and I can kind of envision how exactly how that would happen and the logic behind a child going, Yeah, I'll take fish. Let's do this. And then like you said, oh now what do we do?
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I had no idea. I was feeding them cracker crumbs and bread crumbs. And oh, we didn't have yeah. we didn't have fish food or anything. And uh yeah. and back in those days we you didn't really worry about water conditioners. Um most of the water wasn't even treated uh mm-hmm. you know coming through the municipals at that point in time. Yeah. So, yeah, I, c- so. I can
0: imagine back then the water would have probably been a lot better than what it is yeah, at least so anyway, so it probably meant quite as bit of a deal. Yeah. Cool. Right. So yeah,
1: <laughs> someone wants to know what the pH
0: of your toilet bowl was. Uh,
1: I don't know. I mean, you know, it was it's a toilet bowl, so you know, you flush it, and I mean, again, at that point in time, you weren't adding anything to your toilet bowl. You know, there was no disc in the tank, dyeing it blue or anything. It was just water. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I have no idea what I didn't even know what pH was for probably the next year or so so yeah so
0: what got you into breeding fish from the from the guppy in the toilet bowl start?
1: well of course those guppies took care of breeding themselves mm-hmm. uh, and i was just fascinated with the baby fish um my parents had had a well, they, they basically had a lifelong subscription to National Geographic. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I didn't have money for books or anything like that. I was, I was just a little kid, you know, looking, here's my, uh, you know, money from weeding or doing extra chores or my little allowance. Um, I'd never been to a, quote, pet store or a fish store, let, let alone. Uh, but I, but somehow I started looking at all of the old National Geographics because my my dad had them all on a shelf, mm-hmm. all in order, and I would go through them one at a time. And there was a lot of tropical fish articles in those back in the days. Cool. I ran across one. So what what's on your T-shirt? Uh, some discus. Yes. Okay. So. I'm going along, you know, for a few years and um, end up getting a paper route where you basically walk the streets and hand deliver the papers from your paper bag. Um, and there's, I believe it's a May 1960 issue of National Geographic with discus on the cover. Wow. And I read that article and I was like, wow, these fish feed them, feed their own babies. I'm like this is way too cool. So now, I went from guppies to discus, and yeah, like um, and it, and it was at a lot of. I delivered a lot of papers to end up with quite a few dead discus. Yeah, uh, because back in those days, pretty much the only discus that you would come in were wild uh, nickel quarter size babies. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, we didn't, they didn't know a lot about them. So I literally went from guppies to discus, um, discus. It was the first egg layer I spawned at age of 13, had no idea what I was doing. Um, all I knew is I wanted to see them feeding from the side of the parents, which took another five, six months of trying and trying and, and after that happened, I went on to everything. I mean, any fish I could get a hold of—grommies, bettas, um, some of the early tetras—anything uh, I could get a hold of, I would try to breed.
0: Yep. Got the bug straight away then.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So the bug—the bug was there from a very young age, and I've been doing it ever since.
0: Cool. What's been the most rewarding species that you've, you've kept and bred?
1: Uh, I don't know. I suppose um, I would still come back to the, the wild discus. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to Peru collecting four times now. Uh, the first time I brought back, well, I had seven discus and five survived to the shipping and four survived shipping. And, um, out of those four, I ended up with one pairing. They only spawned three times and I'm now spawning their babies. Wow. So the F ones, and there's only one type of discus that comes out of Peru. It's what they call the Peruvian red spot, green discus. Mm -hmm. And the green is not really the color of the stripes. They're considering the background of the discus kind of an olive green color. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not it's not the blue stripes. It's the it's the green background is where they get the green in that name. Yep. And in Peru, um, the they're more valuable based on how many red spots they have.
0: That's interesting.
1: So yeah. So if it's more than thirty red spots, that's a really good discus. So yeah. Yep. Yeah,
0: um, is that a, a trait that people are specifically after, or is that saying that the locals think are more of a um, a higher quality fish?
1: I think um, I think the locals make it make it be more of a high quality fish. You're yeah, right. Um, okay. in, in my experience in raising them, um, I haven't had large spawns. I've had a lot of fertility issues with those. Mm-hmm. Um, my first inclination was the males get more red spots,
0: okay.
1: uh, until a female comes along, that's all red spotted. So, you know, um, so to me, um, they look at it as, um, the more red, the more expensive, uh, and you can, you can, um, a lot of people have seen that solid red pencil fish that's been floating around out of Peru. Um. It's a sport, or a, it's a mutation, basically that that they consider it super, super valuable. Okay.
0: So yeah. Um, is there any species that have sort of surprised you with getting them to successfully breed and raise the fry? That like, if I know you've tried a whole lot of things, and all of a sudden you just sort of cracked the code, kind of thing.
1: Well, you know, yeah, um, uh, Congo tetras. A mm-hmm. long time ago, I spawned them by accident, and I'm like, "Wow, that's kind of cool." I need, I need smaller food. <laughs> you know? um, hey, hey, about- <laughs> you're on. Okay, he he might be fine. Um, he might not. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but you know, uh, a lot of the the smaller fish, I think. um, you know the larger cichlids I mean I did a little a little um, time with African cichlids in the early days mm-hmm. and um, you know I mean right now in my neck of the woods I can't sell African cichlid babies no one wants them yep uh, cool fish though you know mm-hmm. I played with a lot of the early ones the the, the marlari the Lelupi um, shell dwellers all of those Um but, um, you know, some of the more unique ones are uh, like, and and this is one that has evaded me. Um, I was given some um, Congo puffers, the, the Shadonite puffers. Uh-huh. Ended up getting a pair and they spawned for me about four or five times. Wow. Um, I could only get the babies up to eight days old. Yeah. And then they would all die at the same time. And I, and I, you know, I talked to all different people, you know, to me, I feel like it was water. Um, My water was too soft for them, maybe. Or um, I also thought that maybe I'm um, lacking calcium in the food that they're, that they're feeding on. Mm -hmm. But that, that is the smallest baby fish I've ever seen.
0: wow!
1: I mean, it's, it's makes bettas look tiny. I mean, it makes bettas look big, I should say.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it's just a real tiny fish. Um, and the young or the babies under magnification kind of just look like a miniature puffer fish. Wow. But it evaded me, you know, and, um, uh, I don't have those anymore, but you know, someday I might try them again. I, I, I've talked to other people that, um, you know, they're raising marine rotifers to feed them at first. And I went through that whole thing, but uh, the rotifers would would die faster than the fish, you know? so Yeah. 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 Not quite working there. Yeah.
0: Do, you, do you have a particular methodology that you try and apply for the species that you're spawning, or do you just try and keep the best quality water, the best quality food, and let them kind of do their thing?
1: Well um my water out of the tap happens just to work really good for a lot of fish breeding um it's it comes out of the tap at ph about eight four but that's an artificially high ph It's based on stuff that the water department adds to the water so just you get it in the tank and under aeration it'll drop naturally to a ph of about seven two okay it's very soft, um, so it works for all of the South American fish really easy. And being it's very soft, it's easier to make soft water hard than hard water soft. So I can easily add stuff to it. Um, or if I want to go the, towards the, uh, the tea-colored water, um, mm-hmm. I can add peat or wood. So setting up the water um, is easy for me. Uh, And then, you know, basically I try to purchase fish or obtain fish just from breeders. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to go to the, I mean, I will occasionally get fish from the local store, but that's always a quarantine nightmare. Mm -hmm. So um, I try to get fish from breeders and I want to get young fish. So for example, um, and I've, I've had, um, L 46 zebra plecos three times in, in my career, I guess you'd call it a career. Um, I've always got like a group of eight to 12 young at the same time from the same source. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then I'll spend the year or two growing them up. Um, and, uh, I do that with, I want to do that with any fish that I've changed. I'd rather get the young ones, get them really conditioned to my water, my feeding habits, my water change habits, basically my tank setups. Yeah. yeah. And then by the time they're breeding size, they will be used to all that. And then I just have to find the right trigger. Um, yeah. And, you know, different fish have different triggers. Um, you, some Some of them you have to have different male-female ratios. Some it's a water change. You know every one of them is a little bit different
0: do you keep all all the notes written down in little diaries so you know for next time or is it all just tucked up in here
1: it's up here (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. i've 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 thought about you know doing the whole writing it down in a log but um it's just there's so much going on that yeah i I would be spending more time writing than doing
0: so Um, You you just touched on buying young fish, um, so you're growing them up for as long as you can. I actually had a a customer of mine come in who likes spawning German rams, and he was saying that he's found if they don't spawn within the first sort of six or seven months, he can't seem to get them to spawn from that point onwards. Is that that quite true, or is that just saying that he might have been experiencing himself?
1: Well, I find that um, uh, rams uh, will spawn from about three months old, all the way up to two or three years old. Mm-hmm. But you'll have far better success with the younger ones than the older ones. Okay. Um, and and it this this also tends to work with discus, also. If you pair with RAMs, if you pair an older male, like say you have a uh seven or eight month old male, and you pair that with um a three four month old female you'll have a better success than if you t- to take a four-month-old male and a four-month-old female okay. and I, I think it's basically because the older male has more experience um, with discus I used to do like um, well at, at one point in my career I was basically commercially breeding discus mm-hmm. I had like 21 22 pairs going at one time yeah. Um, all different types, and I had fry coming out my ears. I was shipping uh, three, four days a week, uh, or maybe I should say nights. But I would tend to pair a two-year-old male with a one-year-old female, mm-hmm. and I would have far better success with um, fertility and everything. Wow. So so the, it kind of works the same with the rams. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: You don't think it's a viability – of the the female as contributing to that or do you think it's just that the male is more more mature and aware of the the situation that's
1: going on well i think i think when the females are younger but fertile yeah they're going to throw more more eggs that are fertile
0: yeah that makes makes sense
1: as they get older you know they tend to throw more eggs that are infertile yeah Uh, i mean they they still spawn and sometimes the spawn don't get bigger when they get older um, but um, but I feel like they they they're better in their prime when they're younger, hmm. especially good. with the Rams. Yeah. Do
0: you consider yourself a, a commercial breeder or a, a hobbyist breeder?
1: Um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I consider myself a hobbyist breeder at heart. Yeah. But I have the ability of com- of um, creating commercial quantities of fish.
0: That's a good answer to that question.
1: So, so you know, uh, right now, I mean, my fish room is ten by ten, so it's basically a bedroom size. And then mm-hmm. I have a few, I have a few tanks outside of that. But um, before I had the few tanks outside of it, um, I could pump out, you know. 500 to a thousand angelfish um, a month yeah, wow. Uh, without yep. even thinking about it, you know? So, um, so yeah, I just have I take my small space that I have and create the most out of it that I can. Yeah. Just op- optimizing the available right. room. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How,
0: how do you keep up with the amount of fish that are, being produced and that you're, you're caring for and all that sort of stuff is there. Do you have a very strict routine to yourself for them? How does that yeah. kind of go about?
1: So um, my lights are all automatic. Yeah. Um, I actually also have auto water changing um, mm-hmm. by the method that I consider the delusion method or de- dissolution whatever it's called. So, I'm adding water to the tank and the extra will overflow. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yep. Um, so, um, and I can vary that per tank. Um, like, if I have a really crowded tank, I want more water to go in there. I can mm-hmm. open the valve up a little further, or I can water change for a little longer, either or. So, those two things are kind of taken care of. Um, mm. So, the lighting and the water change are taken care of. And then it's basically your normal tank maintenance, like cleaning the filters, scrubbing the sides of the tanks, and then um, feeding. So fry, I tend to try to feed three times a day. Two of those feedings would be live baby brine shrimp. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, yeah, so the live baby brine shrimp, I have a routine that I follow. um, Pretty much religiously, Um, you know, it's restarted every day. Um, and, uh, it, I've been doing it that way for years. And then, um, the, the feeding in between with, you know, some sort of dry or frozen food, uh, you yeah. want that to just be something that you can do really easy. Um, you don't want it to foul the tank. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it becomes a routine that you just do it every day. So like usually the first feeding is nine in the morning or between nine and 10, let's say and then sometime in the middle of the day and the last feeding is at uh eight or nine at night
0: it sounds like there's a lot of consistency going on you you fish as well so they know this is happening about now this is happening about now and just yeah right
1: right yeah yeah
0: is your um is your automatic water change system constantly dripping or is it on off sort of style
1: it's on off i i control it with um what you would consider a yard sprinkler timer um that timer is now it didn't used to be, but now it is um Bluetooth, so I can play with it with my phone. Yeah, yep, nice. So um, so with my phone, if I say okay, um, and it's in my case, I've split it up into four different racks in my fish room, one on each wall. Mm-hmm. And um one wall is mostly all fry tanks. Mm-hmm. So I can say, okay, the fry need an extra water change. I can just put it in my phone and it'll just do it.
0: Okay. Well, um,
1: yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty easy. I mean, like I say, you still have to go in and um, most of my tanks, I'm using some form or other of either Matten filter or they're all sponge filters of some yeah. sort. And um, what, like what I do, like say your typical um, – 10 gallon fry tank has a matten filter in the back. It's racked end wise, you know, so mm-hmm. you're only looking at the end. Um, as the fry cycle through that tank. Um, so they might go in that tank at, you know, two weeks old and they might be in that tank until they're two months to three months old, depending on how fast mm-hmm. they grow. Angelfish would be less time because they grow faster. Um, rainbows would be longer because they grow slower. But, you know, depending on how long they're in that tank, um, when I move them from that tank to the next size up, then that tank is basically I take the filter out. I, I, I squeeze it out a couple times. I take a, um, a dish brush, if best words I can say, it's so a brush used for washing dishes, and I brush mm-hmm. down all the sides of the of the tank uh, to get any scum and, and the bottom. Um, the bottoms are bare, so scrub that off, drain it, refill it, put the filter back up, and it's ready for the next group of fry. Yep. So that you know that I can do that to a tank um, in about a half an hour. Luca, come here. <laughs> can you hear him barking in the background? Sure yeah. cam. Look at, it. come here. It's uh, it's uh, a bright sunny day here, and and the the neighbors walking by with their dogs on a Yeah. So. Anyway, yeah. So,
0: what sort of percentage of water changes are you you going through your your adult racks
1: and your your fry racks sort of per day? Um, it goes off twice a day, um, mm-hmm. usually, um, after the morning feeding and after the evening feeding. Okay. And what I've done is, uh, the best way I could describe it is, um, let's use a 20 gallon tank as an example. And let's just say for sake of example, I want to change 20% of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what I've done is I've drained the tank down to where I want to change. And I've, I've done this to, to do the setup process. I drain the tank down and then I turn the water change off system. On and I find out how long does it take to put that much water in? All uh, right. Yep. So let's just say for sake of example, it takes 10 minutes to put that 20% of water back. Okay. Now, I know, and you know, that since I'm not draining the tank to do the water change, I'm going to have to add more than that 10 minutes of water if I'm going to change 20% of that water. So mm-hmm. I double that time to, to 20 minutes. Um, and then being that I'm doing it twice a day, then I subtract that. I split it. So I do it 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night. And it's it changes about that much water, uh, okay. you know? Um, but like I say, it's not an actual water change. I did just recently visit a guy in Chicago's room where um, he has all of his tanks drilled twice,
0: mm-hmm.
1: one for a drain and one for fill and overflow. And so, and, and he talks to Alexa to help. He says, Alexa drain wow. tank four and it drains. Wow. Up to a certain level, and then um, so full use technology. Be right back.
0: Yeah, no worries. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning, or this evening, or afternoon, or wherever it is you might well be. Mm -hmm. Question to come up from here.
1: Close the drapes, it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've had a,
0: a question from someone watching. And he wants to know, or they want to know, if you've seen any fish come in or out of fashion over the years you've been in the hobby? If I've seen what? Any fish sort of come in a fashion and out of fashion and maybe even come back in again? Oh, yes.
1: Uh, African cichlids. That's a really good example. Okay. So yeah. um, back when they first hit the market, um, Super, super popular. And then they kind of went away. Um, then they came back and then they've gone away with the, right now. The whole thing up here anyway is nano. Mm-hmm. And I think where nano comes from is people are living in smaller and smaller spaces. Yeah, totally. Agree. So it's easy to get a small tank than a big tank, uh, even though, in my opinion, a big tank is easier to maintain
0: also agree yeah
1: um so uh so african cichlids has come and gone um a couple times in my neck of the woods uh i think they will come back again uh, especially the smaller ones mm-hmm. um another another one that was really popular here for a long time was the um the smaller pelvic species um you know, they've gone through a whole bunch of renaming and everything with those. Uh, but that's a that's a great little fish, especially uh, you want to start breeding some fish and learning about them. They're not hard to breed. They're not hard to raise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great little fish. And, um, you know, just it, it's come and gone a couple times. Uh, but I do think I do think most fish will, even though they've gone, they'll come back yeah Uh, it also does revolve a little bit around um uh are they still being exported from the wild yeah sure you know because because um there's some countries that have shut down exportation uh, where you you can't get fish from that country so if they're not already in the system or if someone's not breeding them um you know you won't get them anymore another ones that i've seen that are a little bit and i use the word cyclical because they kind of cycle through um rain some of the rainbows they come and go um you know um and and i know it it has to do with is anybody maintaining them um uh, in in the United States, a lot of popular fish like that end up going through our fish farms. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the fish farms haven't picked them up, then your only source is to get them from overseas or from from someone that is uh, shipping them in
0: yeah.
1: so are you
0: are you allowed to buy from exporters and bring them in to your own self or do you have to go through a a third-party wholesaler, importer
1: type of scenario? So kind of both. Um, Now, if if I'm just Joe Blow off the street, I would probably have to go through um, like a site called Aquabid Mm -hmm. or eBay. um, And anything that would have to clear customs would have to go through a transshipper or a wholesaler. I actually have my own import license um, because I've gone to Peru. So I got it for importing fish. Um, It's it's basically it's not expensive to get. I didn't think it was a hundred dollars to get. It's like fifty dollars to renew it every year. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, uh, that alone will pay for trans shippers fees. Yeah. But I've I've bought fish uh, or I, I shouldn't say I fish I bought like rice fish eggs from Japan. Um, They were just sent through the mail. Wow. Yep. And, and they got here. They, they actually went through customs in Chicago. Um, They sat in Chicago for two weeks. And the, the guy that had shipped them to me, he was totally panicked. He says, normally they take like less than five days to clear. And I'm going to have to ship you. Well, when I got them, I noticed there's only three eggs in the vials. Yeah. But all of them have hatched. There's a whole bunch of fish swimming about. <laughs> so all I had to do is feed them, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, um, but, you know, we, I spent a little bit of time in Canada. Everything in Canada is imported. Okay. Um, yep. You know, most of it not from the United States, most of it is from, europe or asia Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um so you know you just have to do what you have to do to get them um i mean collecting wise i would love to go collecting other places Uh, but it's not it's just not in the cards right now so um
0: cameron's uh, mentioned something in in the, the comments so he he runs a store up um in the North Island of New Zealand for where, where we are. And it, it's completely contrasting to what, what you have. We have, I think, maybe four or five freshwater import facilities. Okay. Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to set one up. Uh, very strongly regulated. The the list of fish that's not available is, is ginormous. Um, so it's completely contrasting styles of one one nation to another nation and, and what's allowed to be, be kept and bought in and, and yeah,
1: So do you feel like yours, um, they don't allow importation of a lot of fish because they could um, live in the wild there?
0: Um, I believe that is the reasoning. I don't personally believe that a lot that are off the import list would be able to live here in the wild. Okay, Um, I'm only speaking for my region. It gets relatively cold. It gets colder further down south, lots of frost, lots of snow. I think a lot of those um, tropical fish wouldn't wouldn't survive up north, ab- absolutely. And so I completely understand the the laws and regis- legislation and why it's there. But I think it is for making sure our ecosystem is kept safe, which is a is an absolutely fair and valid reason for for that to not be happening.
1: Well, it's interesting because um, I think it was this last. It was either last fall or this spring. Um, I took the trek to Florida to go to um, the ALA, American Live Bears Association thing. And we spent one day collecting wild fish um, on the fringe of the um, Everglades. Mm -hmm. And all of the wild fish that we collected were aquarium fish from other countries that that had... you know, had what happens is the fish farms are outdoor when the, when they have the floods and stuff, the ponds overflow, yeah. they get into the natural ecosystem and then they establish there. So I caught all sorts of fish that uh, this isn't from Florida. Mm-hmm. I only in all that in the whole day, I only caught one fish that was native to Florida. Wow. Um, and uh, and that was one small uh, of the Florida sunfish. Mm hmm. Uh, but, but you know, I think a lot of people have looked at that and said, oh, look what's happened here by the importation and raising them in fish farms. Mm-hmm. We don't want that. We don't want that in my, my neck of the woods. Um, interestingly, you know, when you go to the um, wholesalers in Peru, which are fairly primitive, you see all fish from all over the country or all over the world there. Oh wow. Yeah. So that they sell to their local markets. Yeah. So there's aquarius anywhere uh, you know in the world that are keeping fish from other other areas in the world, but yeah. there's one locale, collecting locale in Peru, where you can catch blue grammies by the netful.
0: Yeah. I've, uh spoke to I think it was Dr. Anthony Mazerol um a yeah. little while back about about that and blew my mind the amount that yeah they just yeah. just sucked the pest over there. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And and you know it's basically someone either let them out or they got out somehow. Yeah. And they found this locale and they're good. They took over, you know. Yeah.
0: yeah we've we've got a lot of that with um Koi, koi fish um up up in the in the North Island there's there's rivers that are just full of them and carp's another one that's just yeah I, I can totally understand and agree with the the rulings and the reasons behind it some of it just doesn't make sense like you are allowed to bring them brichardi, but you're not allowed to bring in like a daffodoli for example which almost identical kind of makes no sense with a lot of stuff like that but right it's the rule that is what it is yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah um do you have like specific requests to breed fish or particular fish or do you
1: do what you do for because you want to do it um there's uh two ways i can answer that so okay. uh, a lot of a lot of you know that i i've done a lot of videos on the co-op channel mm-hmm. um, i met corey in or at a fish club meeting our, our local fish club meeting um, at that point in time, he was a monster fish keeper, mm-hmm. and I was primarily doing um, a at that time. And I had spawned these um, pure white short fin bettas, and I wow. had like thousands of them. Um, that's a mistake, by the way, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Because when they get to be about an inch, inch and a quarter, you need to have a thousand jars, too. And um, so, you know, uh, Corey had opened his shop. uh, And I remember going in there one day and um, I said, uh, I got billions of these bettas. You want to sell them? And uh, he goes, sure, you know what, let's make a deal. I said, "Okay. well, I'll just give you them all for a buck each, um, you take all of them and you can sell them or give them away. I don't care. And it took him a year to get rid of that tank. There were wow. so many, <laughs> Wow. but in that process, you know, um, about two months later, he called me up and he goes, Dean, he says, I have something I want you to breed. And I'm like, well, what is it? He says, well, it's these super red koi angels. Mm -hmm. And he said, they're at that point in time, they were retailing for, I want to say, $25, $30 each at dime size. They were really expensive, new on the market. I said, well, you realize if I take those, it's a year before you're going to have babies. I said, so how are we going to do this? He says, I'm going to give you the angelfish. You're going to give me the first spawn. After that, we can buy them from you. you try? Yep. I said, well, what if the first spawn is only 10? He says, it doesn't matter. It's a trust thing. So, so you know, we did that. So, yeah, so sometimes I get requests. I mean, um, sometimes some of the plecos, um, he will say, you know, I want you to take these and grow them up and breed them. Mm-hmm. Um, now Corey now is not working in the shop anymore, so that's less and less. But um, yeah, so sometimes I get requests, but one of my um, my what would you call it a fault in the hobby, kind of, is I have a hard time buying fish and not spawning them.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Or okay. not trying to spawn them. Yeah. So even if I'm getting you know tetras for dither fish, I'm like, I kind of want to try to spawn those. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that's yeah, and that's a hard thing when going to Peru. It's like, okay, what do I bring back? Because I mean, there's times when you can put your net into a dried up or halfway dried up little creek and come up with 14 species in one net wow and um and it'll be anything from quarries to pencil fish to tetras to dwarf cichlids knife fish and you know you you get a hold of those and you go like but what do i want to take home because if you're not taking it home then you just want to take pictures and put it back Yep. um and uh, anymore, you know, going to Peru, it's like, okay, I've seen those, I've done that. I mean, there's only been one catfish that I brought back, or I should say one Corydora species that I brought back that I have not been able to spawn. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet some of the ones you spawn, no one wants them. Wow. You know, yep. So they're, they're just not, they're not a popular fish. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that, that kind of leads me on to my next question is do you choose specific species to breed or are you led by by demand?
1: I usually pick the ones that if I want to breed them, I pick them.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. At the same time, um, let's go back to angelfish really quick. Mm-hmm. I don't know how angelfish are in your shops, but in my shops, they're always in demand. Yeah, So one pair of angelfish done right will pay for your whole fish room over the course of a year. Yeah. If if you think about it, because because typically um, if you were to pull the eggs, they're going to lay eggs about every week to 10 days. Let's just say, um, you know, most times you're going to get a spawn anywhere between three and 400. Let's just say you, you get 200 fry to live to saleable point. Um, You're going to sell those um, or trade them for equipment. Um, My whole fish room was built on angelfish. Um, And I joke around, you know, angelfish is my currency in the business, in the fish (laughs) business, because you can always sell them. If one shop doesn't want them, the next one does. Yeah so um so yeah you know um i've i've continually bred some form of ram for i don't know how long long as i can remember right now i'm on to the black ones but they're not even my most fun favorite ones it's just they're they're in demand yeah um i've continually bred i only do two strains of angelfish I don't do mixed ones and I don't, um, I don't do any other strains right now there. I do Philippine blues Mm -hmm. and I do the red, super red kois. Um, And that's, that's enough, you know, and even those, you know, sometimes I have too many of them, too many fry. Um, The rams, the rams will always sell, but, but, Rams are also more difficult than angelfish. Mm-hmm. So uh you're gonna have less success, even if you're uh a really good breeder, you're still gonna have less success with rams and angelfish.
0: Yeah. So, Just a bit weaker,
1: smaller spawns? Smaller spawns, weaker, more prone to um to crashing. Mm-hmm. Um and and all of that can happen in anybody's tank. Um, I mean, I've had it happen. I've been traveling a lot. So then, you know, um, you know, if I'm not there to spot something, I come back. They might look fine, but they're not, you know, so, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Have you spent any time with the checkerboard cichlids?
1: Yeah, I love those. Yeah. Um, have you, got I, any, you successfully bred them? I I have bred them. Uh, they like really soft water and mm-hmm. um, fairly acidic also
0: okay
1: um, i used to use um before we had these uh what we call the indian almond leaves or the katapa leaves yep. um, i used to use peat moss boil it and make my own tea um in the early days there was um, tetra blackwater tonic yes which yep, was basically yep. just condensed tea water, basically, you know, from from boiling peat. Yeah. Um, So um, I would I would spawn those by the pair in a five gallon tank. Wow. And um, and generally uh, I would let them take care of their own fry.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now you can take the cave. they usually spawn in a cave. You can take the cave out and hatch them um, the fry are big enough to take some baby brine shrimp from the very beginning. Uh, I also uh, use um, uh, java moss and mm-hmm. other kind of plant matter where they can munch on little um, whatever's on the plant, you know. Yeah. But That's a really cool fish. Uh, I, I spent um, a number of years where I had 18 five-gallon tanks set up only for dwarf cichlids. Right. Wow. And some of them I have never seen in the industry since. Cool. Uh, although one of them that I really like, the Tania cara Candidi. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that fish. I did I this last summer I saw two males at someone's place uh who imported directly, but he got them as he got them as uh, bycatch.
0: Okay, yep. so yeah. Is there a, a particular species that you have tried over and over again and not been successful to spawn and raise? Or is there nothing that hasn't hasn't worked for you at any point? Um obviously the, the puffers we spoke about well, earlier.
1: The puffers. Uh the puffers, um, I'll try those again someday uh, when I get a hold of them. I think um uh Ye- not not re- in recent history, but years ago, it was Plecos. Plecos, okay. plecos evaded a lot of breeders in the early days, uh, especially when you got into the L number Plecos. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of us had no idea what we were doing. I, I remember uh, a buddy of mine, the first time I had sp- seen a spawn of bristlenose Plecos, they were in a tank, and um, I would call it like a a 30, probably a 30 gallon breeder size tank. So maybe three feet by a foot and a half by maybe a foot deep on his floor. And it was piled full of driftwood. Um, Only filtration was aeration. There was no filter running. Um, And He ended up with fry and he didn't even know how, but, um, but he had been trying and trying and, and, you know, so I think what happens is a lot of us, we were going back to those buying young and growing them up. Well, my, my three examples was zebra plecos. First time I had them was when they first came in the hobby. Uh, They were very expensive, got 10 of them. I raised them all the way for, I don't know, two and a half years, breeder mm-hmm. size now. And um, we decided to move. And so I sold everything. Second time I got them, I gr- I had a dozen of them. I grew them up for about three years, never saw spawning activity, uh, went out of town for a weekend, came back, and the heater had stuck on and killed them all. Uh-huh. So, um, so then, um, I don't know in your country, but here they're on the CITES list now. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, the month before I knew they were going on the list, I visited, um, a wholesaler and I said, you know, I said, you have those in, I said, I might, I'll get some. So I got another dozen of them. They were about an inch long. I grew those up. I ended up with 10 of them. I lost two along the way, 10 of them adult size. Um, It had been about three years, no spawns. And I remember seeing this guy that I bought them from at at one of the shows I had gone to. And I said, you know, I said, I should just bring you those back because they're not spawning. And I got home that night and there were fry. Nice. Hold on. So... I, you know, but most people will not wait two or three or four years for a fish like that to mature. Yeah. They want to buy a pair of fish and they want to produce young next month. Mm. And that's where you need other diversions in the hobby. You know, um, you know, raise, raise something else that's going to take a lot of your time and then just maintain those as they're getting old. So, like right now, I have some, um, I have some blue seam plecos. Wow. Yep. Um, they're um, They're about seven inches long right now, and I've had them for four years. Um, I've raised a lot of rams over the top of them, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't paid any attention to them except for growing them up and feeding them, yep. because I knew that they take a while to mature uh so you have to have something else that will divert you from that instant gratification so to speak
0: yeah yeah I think plicos are a great example uh, if you go on the Planet Catfish website and you start looking through the profiles the amount that still say no spawning activity no spawning um documentation is still it's still astronomically right. large it's, it's a huge right. world uh, the old number plicos
1: yeah it's big yeah. I mean I mean, I, I had the pleasure of visiting um, a, a guy who um, had an immense collection of Corridoras. Mm-hmm. Um, like literally a warehouse space full.
0: Wow. And
1: I had never seen that many different types of Corridoras and he had fry from almost all of them. Wow. but But it was not from trying. It was from outlasting. Yeah. You know, he would um he would just grow them and grow them and grow them and grow them and, and eventually they get old enough where they're gonna spawn. Mm-hmm. So he did have good water there also.
0: I think you make a valid point of having other things to distract you. You've got you a half dozen t- tanks of water there, they just your feed forget, you feed forget and then working right. all the stuff and all of a sudden you have to mature and right. doing their thing.
1: Well, I think mm-hmm. it it, it takes it takes your mind off of that instant gratification. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Have you clicked and fish from other parts of the world or just Peru? Only Peru. I, I really want. Uh, I I want to do. I, I want to go to Australia. That's my big yeah. bucket list from a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. I would like to go also to New Guinea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to go to Africa, um, Venezuela, um, Brazil. Brazil's shut down exportation, okay. so uh, you could collect and see them there, but you can't take them back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Um, although I did find a workaround from that, I you, because I have an import license, I could collect and I could buy from a local wholesaler. Yeah, not quite the same as collecting, but. But I thought, well, what if I collected them, took them to the wholesaler, and then bought them back from him? <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, so so there's a lot of places that are on the bucket list, um, but right now the, the travel is so hard right now, yeah. and Africa's not super safe. Um, uh, most of South America is not really safe. Um, that I. Peru's really safe as long as you stay away from the illegal gold mining. No. So, um, and then you know, I would also like just to visit like Asia. Um, I'd love to go to Germany and just visit breeders. Mm. I mean, that's that's a big time.
0: Yeah, the world of African cichlids in Germany is is huge. Yeah, it's made phenomenal African cichlids over there.
1: Yeah. And also, you know, not just Germany, but but uh, I was going to say Turkey, Israel. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of breeding happening there that, that you know, is beyond what we can comprehend right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we've,
0: we've touched on discus and corridors already. Is there any sort of tips or triggers that you've got that you have helped you along the way with producing them or, or raising
1: them? Uh, for discus and quarries.
0: Yeah. yeah, I on a two different species of course, but yeah.
1: Okay, so um so Corydoras um first thing is grow them up. Um and Corydoras are relatively easy to sex. I mean, you can look at them from the the top um and think of it I I kind of think of it this way, uh the females are kind of like diamond shaped, a little bit squished diamond shaped. Yep. And the males are a squished diamond shape, but have more tail in one direction.
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: that makes sense.
0: A little bit. Yeah. Yep.
1: Um, so basically the females are fatter. The males are thinner. Um, you know, put five males, two females together. And once they're really fat and conditioned, put them together and in my case, I can almost always trigger them with a cool water change. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I have noticed, especially since bringing fish back from Peru, if I can trigger that water change with a change in our weather, it's yeah. major. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so if let's just say, for sake of example, I know it's going to rain on Saturday. If I can trigger that water change Friday night mm-hmm. and um, rain set, I almost will always get a spawn. Okay, wow. Now, with Cory's, I always take the eggs away because mm-hmm. um, otherwise they, they don't really intentionally predate the eggs, but they will smash them. by Even if it's by accident, they will smash them just by their nature of, you know, going up and sniffing them probably.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. So, so from that perspective, that's what I would do with Corey's with discus. Um, again, you, you know, I come back to maybe if, if you have the ability of growing a group of them up, your, your success is going to be far better than if you go, I mean, let's, let's look at it this way. If someone's going to sell you a pair of discus, why would they sell you those fish? Because they're not having success with that pair. No one is going to sell. No one's going to sell their best pair. That's a very good point. You know, um, uh, and and I I've sold pairs of discus before. I've never sold my best pair. I've sold good pairs, but never my best. <laughs> because your best pair is producing discus for you. Yeah, yeah that makes. To completely valid point you know so um so buying a pair of discus is you know that's playing russian roulette so to speak mm-hmm. they may never spawn for you in your own tanks ever yeah. so yeah. um but um but if you have the chance to grow them up yourselves um get them at least a year old before you get any spawning activity Uh, They will want to start spawning at about nine months, but, but, you know, try to, try to put that off till about a year. So they're good and mature. Mm -hmm. And then again, um, once you get a pair, you can either, you can, usually you should separate it out and you can usually trigger a pair to spawn with good feeding and, and some water changes. And with discus, sometimes you might have to do two or three water changes, you know, in a row like maybe morning night morning night like that um and eventually you should get a spawn
0: okay cool um so we've had someone just ask a question regarding the corridoras oh yeah uh do you keep them apart pre pre spawning or leave them in a group essentially is the way of reading that
1: i've done both um um if you have the ability and time, oh, this is the Zen Ginger. I think I know that person. Um, if you have the time to separate them, that can be to your advantage. You'll get bigger spawns. Um, but if not, so so when I say bigger spawns, when you put them together, the spawning will happen all at once. So it might be multiple females are spawning At the same time. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you leave them in a group, it might be you might get this one spawns on Monday, this one spawns on Wednesday, this one spawns on Saturday. Um, If if production is your goal, you want them to try to trigger them all to spawn at the same time.
0: Uh, So that is the end of. All my structured questions that I've I've have written down for you. Okay. Um I like to to finish all my sort of coffee dates with a very quick set of six questions that are short and sweet, yes-no sort of answers. Okay. Um, so if there's anywhere that you could visit right at this moment, where would it be?
1: Um right now, if there was any way. I would go to Australia.
0: Okay. Cool. If you could have any superpower in the world, what would it be?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you.
0: If you could have any superpower in the world, what would it be?
1: Um, anti-aging.
0: Okay, cool. <laughs> if you could, if, when you're doing a, a coin flip, are you heads or tails? I'm a head. Okay. If you could have a meal with anybody from any point in, in the time, who would it be?
1: I would like to have a meal with Gordon Ramsey. Yeah. That probably offers some explanation, but <laughs> that's because I, my, my last official position, I was a culinary instructor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I know from people that I've known that have worked for him, his TV presence is far different than what he's like like in person
0: I can imagine um are we alone in the universe no okay and my last one is what is the your unicorn fish that you've either never kept never caught or never spawned
1: never kept never caught never spawned can be
0: any of those just any sort of combination anyone you want
1: You know, I've never spawned the um, – I've spawned Grommies before, but I've never spawned or really kept the little tiny uh, licorice-type Grommies. There's there's a whole family of them. Yeah, well, just um, recently we have got a whole bunch coming to New Zealand, and they're phenomenal. Yeah, and, and there's a bunch of different varieties of those, Yeah, uh, you know, that are different, little bit different color morphs and stuff. Um, I would like to – get into those for a while cool yeah.
0: awesome yeah. okay that's all i've got so i'd like to say thank you very much for joining us um really appreciate it i'm sure everybody's taking something out of this so thank you very much for your time we, we very much appreciate it
1: you bet you bet We'll have to do it again sometime <laughs> sounds good to me
0: thank you very much okay all guys have a good one happy fish keeping catch you later you too. see you later cheers thank you